This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Joshua Eves has joined the Comfy Cat. I'm not really on a couch, but okay. <laughs> Listen, okay, it's it's a very figurative couch. Okay? I see. Every time we record, we say we're sitting in front of the fire on our comfy couch. You know, it's about time you had me on this show since I'm the one who named it. <laughs> That's true. The name is all Josh's idea. Thanks for hanging out, Josh. Sure. I'm glad you're finally here. Josh is the leading expert on in the Western Hemisphere on Star Trek. I don't think that's true. Yay! Yes! I know a lot about Star Trek. I would not say that I am a, the leading expert. You know that there is, there is an entire podcast network <laughs> people talking about Star Trek. I've never heard it, but I, 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 I've heard. I, think I subscribe me, to five of their shows. Jesus wow. Christ. Yeah. Wow. See, I wonder how that works. Like, sometimes we have um, a tough time coming up with, like, episode ideas. I mean, these guys are doing, like, 30 shows. So so I haven't seen yeah. all the shows, but from my understanding of at least, like, the original and then Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, um, they weren't, like, rehashes. All the characters are brand new, so I would assume they go the same way now. Yeah, there were no rehashes until 2009 when they made the movie. Right. Yeah. What was the other one? Uh, there was that short-lived... It was just called Star Trek, right? Was it was Enterprise. Oh, Enterprise. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Uh, and then what was the other one? And Voyager. Voyager. And there was an animated series. So, all right. So for somebody like me, right, that is not into Trek... But I'm curious. I'm trick curious. So if you were to pick like a couple episodes for me to watch, uh, where where would I even start? Like what? I don't know anything about Star Trek. Let's just say. Okay, should I go start with the original series or should I go somewhere else? Um, I'll okay. I'll treat you like I treated my kids. I tried to show them some of the original series and they were bored out of their mind. <laughs> Like the episodes are long, and uh, the special effects. I mean, they did fix some of them when they launched in HD, so you know, the ships look cool now. But you know, the special effects aren't that great, and there's a lot of sexism in it. So uh, I tried to show them that, and it just didn't work. But then I started started showing them Next Generation, and now they play Star Trek all the time in the house. Really? Which is the dream of mine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like growing up, I had no friends who liked Star Trek. <laughs> and so now my dad's, uh, my dad, my, uh, my son says, let's, uh, let's play phasers. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was the same way growing up. My only, my mom would watch starts original Star Trek with me. Yeah. And then I mean, my parents school, watched with my parents watched with me, but I had I had zero friends who were yeah. Into same it. here. Oh, plenty nice. of Star Wars friends, but no Star uh, Wars. Dime a dozen, those guys. I know. <laughs> hey, <laughs> what the heck? Um, all right, so give me give me a couple episodes. If I if I were to want to get into Star Trek and be really impressed, 
with what the universe has to offer me, what do I watch? You want me to tell you my favorite episode in each series? Ooh. Well, you are the leading expert in Star Shut up, I so am yes. not an expert. So my favorite episode of the original series, and this is a good episode to watch. What's the, what's the criteria for your favorite? Uh, ones that Just, I never get tired of rewatching. Is it because of the, the story or like the sci-fi concepts? It's almost always because of the story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite episode of the original series, which is a, it's a, it's a good episode to watch because it's just kind of random. It's called Balance of Terror. And it's the first appearance of the Romulans. Um, where the actor who later played Spock's dad is a Romulan, which is really confusing. Oh, that's cool. Um, and it's just like this submarine battle in space where there's even these ridiculous moments where they're all being quiet on the ship so that the other ship can't hear them even though there's space in between them. <laughs> <laughs> and as the Romulan ship is falling apart, there's like, there's like sand falling down from the ceiling <laughs> as if the Romulan ships were made of rock. <laughs> but it's a great episode. Uh, and I really like the Romulans a lot. And most people really like the Klingons, I guess, but I'm more I'm more into the Romulan stories. Wait, do you uh, speak Romulan? Is that a thing? N- no, I don't speak Romulan. But that is a oh. thing, right? Uh there are words, yeah, but it's not like Klingon is. I mean, there's a whole there's dictionaries. I own Hamlet and Klingon. Nice. Takpak takbe. Wait, so you speak Klingon? Not really, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> he knows that. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> All right, continue. So you, you know, Duolingo, which is a, an app for your phone where you yeah. can learn Spanish and French, they're beta testing Klingon right now. No kidding. Oh, wow. <laughs> no kidding. That's awesome. Surely they're working with CBS on that. <laughs> I, I sure, I guess, yeah. <laughs> All right, what else you got? So, Balance of Terror. Is your number one? Yeah. Well, that's my favorite episode of the original series. Okay. So my favorite episode, you're going to hear notice the theme here. My favorite episode of Next Generation is called The Defector, which is from the third season. And it is also a Romulan story. <laughs> but it's a story about this guy who, uh, who is, um, he, he's a high ranking Romulan official and he finds out that the Romulans are planning for war against the Federation and he leaves his family and defects to the Federation to try to warn the Federation to not, you know, to, to watch out for, for the Romulan attack that's imminent. But then he finds out in the end that they knew that he was discontent with the government and it was just a setup to get him to defect. (laughs) And it, I'm, my wife is so tired of that episode. <laughs> I've watched it so many times. It's one of those it's one of those episodes for me where you can just say all the lines straight through. I like the political stuff in Star Trek. I I, I guess I, I like less the actiony episodes. And so even my favorite movie is the sixth movie, and that's just all political thriller. It's not you know, there's a big fight at the end, but you know, yeah, it's when they rescue the whales. 
That's the fourth. That's the fourth one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know what it is. I just never had like the the drive to sit and watch it, and I don't even know why. I mean, I've seen a lot of like the original series when I was little, so I don't remember any of it. Um, but just you know, the new, the new you stuff. know where you should start, Martin, because yeah. I I know you, and I know the kind of TV that you like. From our, you know, our conversations. Born Deep Hunt? Space Nine to me is the show that I think you would like the best. Um, and maybe, maybe you gotta get past the first season, maybe watch like the first episode of the first season, cause it's a little boring in the first season. But, uh, eventually what happens is that series is one story. You know, big, big arc. It's a, you know, a large, a large war with an alien force from the other side of the galaxy coming and uh, See, a lot that of sounds more like it. yeah a lot of great character development and you know events that happen in season three pay off in season seven it's really fantastic wasn't I, um the guy that did babylon five wasn't he in deep space nine didn't he work on that no no, Babylon 5 started the exact same year that deep space nine started okay because I, I mean i did watch babylon five not all of it, but some yeah. of it. Well, Babylon 5 is also an amazing show. Um, the things that Babylon 5 do is – they also have a big overarching war, but it gets wrapped up and then they move on to the next interesting storyline where maybe Deep Space Nine doesn't necessarily do that. Um, I guess I would think that Babylon 5 is probably better – plotted but deep space nine is better written and better performed so gotcha gotcha so since since i enjoyed babylon 5 would you say that deep space nine is kind of on that same level oh yeah that, that it will work for you if you like babylon 5 you're you, you'll like deep space nine okay i'm gonna that's where i'm gonna start then yeah um I, i've seen a couple episodes but i don't even know what season it was um it, you're, it might have been the first and that might be why and Deep Space Nine, in my opinion, has the best pilot episode, you know, to launch the series. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to put that on my list right now. Because, of course, it's... these are all on Netflix. For now. It, it's definitely my favorite series. I think it's the best series. I, I don't think it has the best episodes. I think Next Gen has the best individual episodes, but... But if you're looking for something that, you know, you can can chew on and and there's a lot of great ethical issues that they deal with in that show as well. And Deep Space Nine is is great. Yeah. Deep Space Nine. Seven seasons. Yeah, that'll keep me busy for a while. Because <laughs> I'm starting to uh, my my Netflix queue has gotten really short uh, because my wife and I separated our queues. Because she watches a lot of like French movies and things like that, and uh, they just don't interest me. I like watching, you know, like horror and sci-fi, which doesn't interest her. But I've pretty much watched like the entire sci-fi Netflix catalog, except pretty much Star Trek. <laughs> uh, so this will be good. This will be good. And then I'll have to cancel Netflix because I won't have anything to watch. About two years ago, my wife and I. Split our account too, because I got tired of being recommended romantic comedies. 
Yeah, that's the problem that I have, dude. <laughs> and I mean, I don't mind them sometimes, right? Like, I'll, I'll go to the movies with her and watch them. But not, like, all the time. And she likes watching, um, oh, God, like, Intervention and things like that. Like, that doesn't interest me. You know? Like, if I want to see people hopped up on drugs, I'll drive down a couple miles. <laughs> you know? I like my TV for escape. And that's why I like a lot of sci-fi. God, the more I say that, like, the more I'm surprised I, I have never gotten into Star Trek. What is wrong yeah, what's with wrong me? with you? What is wrong with me? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, great concepts, great writers. Mm. All right, let's talk Star Trek comics. How about that? Because this that I is am... something that I might be a leading expert in, maybe. Ooh, of the whole hemisphere? May- no. <laughs> <laughs> Just take the compliment, Josh. Uh, the only one that I've read is the uh, Star Trek Green Lantern, which I really, really like. Um, Was that good? I didn't yeah, read that. It was really I haven't fun. read that. Yeah, it was really fun. You haven't read it? Go take it out, dude. Uh, I got the first issue at a comic convention, a Rhode Island Comic Con. They had an s- exclusive cover, but I decided not to read it because I was waiting for it all to come out, and I and guess it's all that. come out now. Yeah, yeah, they're all that. All right, so let's talk Trek comics. Sure. I'm sure there are tons of them. Yeah. I've never bothered to look for them. So... I'm assuming IDW owns the, the license, right? The right now they do, yeah. Right now they do, okay. So what would be some of your... I don't think they have the license for every show, though, because the way that they do it is they break up all the shows, and IDW hasn't made any Voyager comics or Enterprise comics. Interesting. And they only made one group of Deep Space Nine comics, and I, I remember that took them a while to make up. People were begging for it, and I think they had to negotiate for it. Okay. Usually right. when usually when I pick up a comic book, I'll look at an artist or a writer will draw me to it. And I see a lot of great talent that are doing the comics, but I never ever hear from anyone if it's worth approaching. So I'm I'm dying to hear your thoughts on the comic books for sure. Sure. You you want to talk about IDW right now? Hmm. You're the grandmaster. Tell me, sir. <laughs> well, IDW is doing a great job. Um, there was a long period of time where there weren't Star Trek comics, and I was so excited when IDW started doing them. Uh, John Burns doing a lot of them right now, and those are really interesting. Um, Wait, especially like, if you like, like Burns. John Burn Burn? Yeah, yeah, John Burns. Burn. No kidding. Yeah, writing and drawing. Writing and drawing and inking. Is it the John Byrne writing style of Nexman? Yes. So it's really, really wordy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and like you get like a, a head and like text covering within that panel and all you get is a little head. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's what happens. Okay. I would my favorite that of for the Star Burn- Trek. And the favorite of my burn stuff that he's done for IDW is he did uh, a book about the, the Romulans. It was really uh, great. It was really wordy, and there was a lot of political intrigue, and I'm fascinated by it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not coming to Star Trek comics for action. I, yeah. I'm coming for concepts. Yes, yeah. Well, if Our, you are coming for it for action, 
they're doing um, they're doing a, a, an ongoing series um, with the new in, set in the new Star Trek timeline. The movie universe. Yeah, the JJ verse. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And those are pretty those are pretty action oriented books. And in fact, right now, actually, there's a second series that's that's taking place in in that universe called uh, Starfleet Academy oh. with original characters. So kind of fleshing it out. Is Byrne doing that also? Oh, no, Byrne's not. A, no, okay. Byrne did Byrne did original series stuff. So he did a book on the Romulans. He did a book on um, Dr. McCoy. He did a book on uh, – there was an episode – of the original series called Assignment Earth, which was actually a, a pilot for a, another TV series that didn't get picked up. And John Byrne wrote a five-issue mini on what that television series would have been like. So it actually wow. only has Kirk in one issue of it. And, huh. and Star Trek is only referenced in one issue of it. And then you kind of get like the episodes of what this other series would have been like. And what's that called? That sounds interesting, actually. That uh, that comic series is called Assignment Eternity, I think. So since Star Trek has bounced from like major companies to smaller companies, yeah. have there been high points and low points that you could Absolutely. direct somebody who's never ever read any of the older issues? Yeah, no, they're they're absolutely. So um, the license started with Gold Key, and uh, <laughs> when they made the Gold Key issues. Um, the artist never had seen Star Trek. Oh, wow. The only thing that he had to go on were stills from the series. <laughs> the colorist would color the uniforms the wrong color. <laughs> the, the writer didn't really have a feel for the characters, so people would say the most, the weirdest things. The still photos that the, the, the artist had weren't like of sets so there you know the bridge looked different and the transporter room looked different the first issue is absolutely crazy uh they they go to this planet where they encounter alien life uh like plant life that's sentient and the plant life wants you wants them to get off the planet and somehow says to them that they're gonna they're gonna destroy earth that they're gonna find earth so kirk's solution is to wipe out all life on the planet and that's how the issue ends with him just phasering the whole planet <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. so it really didn't get the concepts of star trek and what's what's really interesting when you read the gold key stuff is you as you're reading it you see like as the writer and the artist get more familiar with Star Trek, they seem to get it and they get more into what Star Trek really was. But you have this transition of when, as you read the gold key books, you, you ask yourself, what is Star Trek? And uh, it's certainly not what they had at the beginning. And even at the end, it still wasn't quite right. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting to, to read it. Certainly. Um, was it just was it just something that was purchased by Gold Key? Like yeah, it wasn't it wasn't did, under uh, yeah. Roddenberry wasn't directing. No, no, no. Yeah, Gold Key did okay. a lot of um, 
they're like they were like the dynamite of their time. They they do did a lot of licenses, um, so they they just wanted you know the name to put on, and they used it as a. It's, it's essentially they they had the names and the logo, and it was a vehicle for them to still tell sci-fi stories, but not Star Trek stories. But that ser- that series went on for a long time, didn't it? Uh sixty something issues. Wow. Which is a long time for Gold Key because Gold Key didn't publish monthly. They published um, bi-monthly, tri-monthly. So uh, there were even times where you only would get four issues in a year. So they had that license for a long time. And like the Valiant Gold Key covers, were the Star Trek covers just as like Gorgeous. nicely painted? And... Yeah, the covers were gorgeous. Wow, I got to look that up. Yeah. yeah I've got to find this. My favorite, my favorite of the Gold Key covers... Is there's this cover where the the away team, I think it's Spock and Kirk, they're captured by these these um, primitive natives, and and the cover is them being held by the primitive natives being held at spear point, and then the background is a gigantic um, rock sculpture carved to Spock's face. Oh, <laughs> it's a beautiful cover. He is. What is what's what's going on in here? And then. You, I read the story, and it's nowhere near as good as what I imagined would cause that. But. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking at uh, some of these on Amazon. Uh, obviously, you can get the, the hardcovers, uh, the collected volumes. Yeah. Which, those covers aren't as cool. They look like just pictures from the show. Yes. Uh, but the single-issue covers, I like this like retro style. Um, I I don't know if they're like actual pictures, just uh, you know, I don't want to say photoshopped because there was no Photoshop back then, but um, you know, like uh, Francisco Francavilla, he does yeah. uh like all those horror posters and the uh, mm-hmm. Life of Archie. Um, mm-hmm. it's like kind of reminiscent of that. It's pretty cool. I would probably buy these just for the covers, to be honest. <laughs> Do you have these Gold Key archives, the collection? No, I have my dad's originals. Oh, oh you lucky bastard! Yeah, wow. that dad of yours. I'm telling I you, your dad. I have the first issue now. When my dad would buy some of the comics, they didn't have the covers on them because the shop owner would send the covers back to get reimbursed for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have issue number one without a cover on it, but I have issue number one or first printing. Wow. Nice. Worth nothing because it has no cover, but sure, sure. It's still <laughs> worth a lot to you. Yeah, yeah, and then the, all the rest I have with covers. Um, they did all, they did reprint a bunch of them. But Martin, buy that archives and let me know how that is. <laughs> I, yeah, it's good. Now then, then like, isn't the next like major jump is DC because DC nope, had nope. them for a long time. It wasn't wasn't DC yet. So the motion picture happened and Marvel got the oh, rights. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Marvel did like 16 issues set in with the uh, the time frame of the motion picture just after the motion picture, so that they launched it with a three issue limited on the motion retelling the motion picture, and then they did new stories after that. That's right. And they they only had it for like a year and a half. It's about about the same time that they, I think they were probably publishing the Star Wars comics. Hmm. And then DC got them, and DC 
uh, did have them for a long time. So then there was original series. They did um, like 60 issues. And then Next Gen started and they uh, they relaunched the original series, did a volume two and did Next Gen at the same time. And those lasted about 80 something issues, I think. And were With they being published? Obviously, they were publishing more than one title at a time. They were, yeah, they were publishing uh, original series and next gen monthly, and then uh, just about every other month they would have a special or an annual or a limited series that they were publishing. There were and there the, were a bunch of limited series at that time, and, and those the were the comics that were being published as I was growing up, or the the DC, and I got the DC next gens. And the quality on those were really good. Um, so Peter David did a lot of the original series books. Mm-hmm. Um, so he knows his Star Trek. He writes the novels, and he knows how to write comics too. Absolutely. Um, Peter David, though, he does have a soap opera, opera, soap opera kind of feel to them. So, you know, long storylines with, um, you know weird romances involved but you know that's the kind of thing that he does sure. and next the next gen comics the, the original series by the way uh the first volume one was those were done by mike barr Ooh. and he did a pretty good job and i think marv wolfman drew some of them i wow. was involved with some of them so oh wow um and then the next gens were written by um michael jan friedman who's also a trek novelist and he had the next gen series for quite a while. I'm totally engrossed at Amazon right now. <laughs> there are so many Star Trek books. At the same time, because the licenses were done by different companies, um, Malibu got the rights to Deep Space Nine. Oh my gosh. I remember that. And Malibu published Deep Space Nine for about 25 or 6 issues, something like that. And those are really great they're like these little treasure books you know they're 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 really good star trek stories um the art is is pretty good as well they did a crossover with dc so there was a next gen deep space nine crossover four issue mini that happened and and malibu did all of these one shots collector's edition hologram foil covers you know all of that kind of stuff and uh but there's some real gems in that malibu series so you must have loved all those crossovers yeah those were fun i just found a gold star trek deep space nine number one yes signed (laughs) on amazon for like 200 bucks oh there you go yikes yikes Heather, I think your birthday's coming up. I can buy what I got you. for that, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I got you some gold, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she'd love that. She doesn't like gold. It's okay. <laughs> Save me. And then eventually, so then what happened is uh, Paramount, um, the the licenses ran up, and Paramount wanted to launch its own comic book line. Uh-oh. At the same time, they they were launching their own comic, their own television station, UPN. Yeah. And uh, they partnered with Marvel and created Paramount Comics. And Paramount Comics 
actually made some Mission Impossible comics as well. Oh, wow. Um, and the Paramount logo didn't really stay on those books. That I, I think they said Marvel. But when Marvel launched, they launched with um, a Deep Space Nine series because that series was running, a Voyager series because that series was running at the time. They had a series called Star Trek Unlimited, which was a, 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 a bi-monthly kind of that actually had a original series and a next-gen full-length issue in both, so it was a double-sized issue. They had a series called uh, Star Trek Starfleet Academy, which was, um, you know, a, a Nog, who was um, on Deep Space Nine, he became uh, a Starfleet cadet, and so it was him and his class going through the Academy. And then they had another series called um, Star Trek Early Voyages, which is the best Star Trek series I've ever read. And, really? And when, and when those series ended, when, when, when all those series ended, Early Voyages ended on a cliffhanger, and they've never resolved that cliffhanger ever. So that's frustrating. Oh, but Early no. Voyages was this was uh, Captain Pike, who was the captain before Kirk on the Enterprise. And that was his stories, and those are really great. And oh, wow. Abnett. Yeah. Remember that guy. Yeah, and yeah. who? And look who drew the first issue. Uh, I'm looking at an omnibus on Amazon. I don't even know if they list it. Who's Who's the artist? Zerker. Is it really? That's really? Zerker, yeah. Holy yeah. cow! Oh wow! I like me some Dan Abnett. Yeah, and I found the Wolfman Star Trek. Holy cow! That's crazy. Those when that Marvel group of comics was was really great. The Academy series and the early voyages was really great. The Star Trek Unlimited was was really great. The um, the Deep Space Nine the art was not that great. Um, actually, the series got better as it was ending, but you know that's how it goes. <laughs> the Voyager series was mediocre, but it was the only time that Voyager had ever been in comics so that was pretty cool and then there was also some uh there was some specials uh including a star trek x-men crossover oh my god what? yeah wow. complete with a scene where somebody says dr mccoy and both dr mccoy from star trek <laughs> and turn around and say what <laughs> mm-hmm. who did that who was the uh, creative team uh, I think Jim Lee was did something. No. Wow. Yeah. Because that was like late nineties. Yeah, and then so and there was sucks. and that had a lot of success. So they actually had another Star Trek crossover with the X Men, um, a couple months later, and that was with the Next Gen crew. I found wow. it. Mark Silvestri. And it was okay. Wow. Silvestri. It was one of those image guys. And then and then after that. Uh, Pocket Books, who was writing the novels at the time, made a Star Trek X-Men book called Planet X. Oh my. <laughs> oh which is my. which is one of the few Star Trek books that I've read more than once. It's so it's so bad. <laughs> it's totally worth it. You know, there's a scene where like Worf and Wolverine are in battle back to back, you know, fighting off. 
<laughs> whatever. Oh Worf God. with his bat left in his hand and Wolverine with his claws out. So stupid. By the way, the cover to Planet X? So bad. Terrible. Yes. Worst cover I've ever seen. <laughs> Were they fighting the brood? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I haven't read it in a long time. I think maybe I'll dig it out. <laughs> Give it another read. Yeah. <laughs> this was also before um, uh, Patrick Stewart was both the... <laughs> In both franchises. <laughs> oh, yeah, they've referenced that on Wikipedia about Planet X. That's so funny. And they talk about Frank Jensen. Huh. Interesting. And Michael Jan Friedman wrote that book, right? Yeah, so he wrote the he wrote wow. the Next Gen comics. There are some odd crossovers, I will say. Um, I mean, just browsing through Amazon, there's like Legion of Superheroes and like just random stuff. IDW did that. Yeah, there was a Doctor Who one. How was the Legion of Superheroes one? It was um it was uncomfortable because Kirk was hitting on all the teenage Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> Good old Kirk. <laughs> there was like a lot of him hitting on Saturn Girl, and I was like, she's a little young, dude. <laughs> oh, that's so good. So after Marvel lost the rights or let the rights pass, um Wildstorm got them. Holy cats, really? Yeah, I and uh, I think it was when DC did own Wildstorm, but they were definitely under the Wildstorm logo. And they did not have an ongoing series. They would do these deluxe editions where the you know the comics were so thick that the, you know you could put them in a bookshelf because you could read the spines. Uh-huh. And they did some original series and some next gen and some Voyager stuff. And they also did. Um, they did a comic based on uh, – there was a book series called Star Trek New Frontier, and they, they did a comic based on that. And then when that ended, because uh, that only lasted for a year or so, uh, there were no Star Trek comics published for a very long time except Tokyo Pop did four Star Trek mangas, three in the original series and one in, the, in Next Gen, including stories written by Will Wheaton in them. Oh, wow. And uh, not based on uh, Trek Wars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then IDW got the rights, and that's who who does it now. So IDW just does a bunch of you know miniseries uh, with, and they have only one ongoing. And right now, the new Star Trek series has hit sixty issues. So it, it's on pace. I think it's going to be the longest-running Star Trek comic. Oh, wow. See, I didn't even know this stuff was happening. Josh, why don't you tell me these things? <laughs> I'm serious. That's... I mean, we, we have a lot of the same or similar taste in sci-fi. Um, of course, you know, our, our favorite book ever, Star is the greatest thing ever. Um, <laughs> you should have told me about all these Star Trek books. Like, I'm... I'm I literally have like $300 worth of stuff in my Amazon cart right now, and obviously I'm not getting all of it. Um, but I'm, I'm really interested to learn a little bit more. See, that's why I had to ask, because it's I knew of the huge ocean of comics that, that are out there for Star Trek, and I knew John Byrne did a lot, and I am a John Byrne fanatic, and I love Peter David. And there's a lot of great creators out there even doing just miniseries, but I just didn't know. I, I'm not one of those people that I got to start at the beginning. 
but I do want to start off on like a high, not a low arc. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know where to start. I didn't know if John Byrne was going to be writing sci-fi, good sci-fi, or mediocre sci-fi. One of the highest regarded Star Trek comics is called Dead of Honor, and it's a Claremont story. Oh. See, now I like me some Claremont. Same here. See, you're teasing me with all these big names. <laughs> now, now I've got to spend some money. And it's all Nick's fault. Oh, come on. <laughs> See, I looked up the IDW, and I mean, I wasn't too familiar with most of the creators that were on the Star Trek comics. Mm-hmm. But I do trust IDW pretty well. So that's it's good to know that that's, that's a nice jumping on point for new fans. Well, and like I said, the only one that I've read is that Star Trek Green Lantern. And the only reason I started picking it up was because Brent Peoples had a uh, a variant cover. And, uh, you know, I like to support whatever he does. And uh, I actually ended up sticking out uh, for the rest of the story. So, interesting. So, th- since I love DS9, this is a selfish question. Is there any standout arcs that I should be looking for, Josh? So, the Malibu, I- stuff is, the Malibu stuff is good. Um I'll tell you my my favorite Deep Space Nine. So in, in uh, I got to look up the Malibu one that I like, but um, from the Marvel series issue number fourteen, which is a standalone, is really good. It's a uh, it's a story about triples, and it has oh, wow. Worf on the cover, and it's a great cover. Oh. It's him with a phaser to a triple saying, "Buy this book, or the triple gets it." <laughs> <laughs> See, even I know what the tribbles are. See, now, now you're speaking my language. Is the is there the political intrigue in most of these? Or um, are they more character based, like character study type? It's it's more character based. So like, okay. oh, this issue is going to be about data. You know, there's a lot of that. Um, my two favorite issues from the Deep Space Nine Malibu run. Oh yeah, there's that gold cover. Uh, our um, issue number eight and nine. Uh, they were made in '94, uh, written by Mark Altman and penciled by Gordon Purcell, who's done a lot of Star Trek stuff. Uh, and they are. Uh, it's a focus on on Major Kira for the most part, and uh, it's a really sad story. Um. About the, the Bajoran occupation that took place. Another really great, um, Deep Space Nine issue is they did, uh, a one shot called Terok Nor number zero. Terok Nor was the original name of Deep Space Nine before the Federation took it over and gave it a, you know, that, you know, a numerical number. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also another story about the occupation of Bajor. So there is, there are moments where you get the the political aspect of Star Trek, but you know the politics is not when Star Trek is. I mean, it, it's fascinating to me, but Star Trek is its best when it is telling uh, a story um, about today in set in the future. You know, where you can get away with uh, with with the um, boy, the words are escaping me. I'm tired. I'm sorry. You can get away with the social commentary. That's it. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and, and sometimes it was blatant, like in the original series when they had the guy with white on one side of, on his right side and black on the left side and the other guy who had black on the right side and white on the left side and they hated each other because they were different, you know. Yeah. Uh, but there are other times where it's a lot more subtle. And Star Trek comics, uh, depending on who the writer is, will do the same thing. And and that's the stuff that I really like, the the moral and ethical dilemmas. Um, you know, Star Wars is fun because, you know, there's lightsabers and there's ships that shoot, but there's not a lot of meat to chew on, um, uh, especially once you get past all the the religious stuff that sure, Star Wars yeah. has in it. Um, you know, there's not a lot of social commentary in it, and... No, it's more study a study of archetypes. You know, the great thing about showing my kids Next Generation is not that they play phasers with me, but when we watch the episode that night when we're sitting down for dinner, um, we talk about what happened in it and, you know, what it was about. And sometimes it's not – you can't pull it because – because sometimes it's just a goofy story, but sometimes there's some really deep stuff, and it, it can lead to really interesting conversations, especially, especially when my uh, my five year old daughter um, to listen to her talk about it <laughs> to see it from perspective. So, and certainly the comics can do that as well. You guys need to keep me off damn Amazon while we're podcasting next time, okay? <laughs> Seriously. I think I'm gonna get uh I'm getting a few issues of this Malibu for sure. They're not terribly expensive. You wanna wrap it up? Yeah, I could talk about Star Trek comics for a hundred episodes. <laughs> I know we've discussed that, but uh you don't wanna do that, so that's fine. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen all of the Trek films in the theater from two on. And yeah, I'm old, Um, (laughs) but it, it, watching the last one, the best redeeming quality of the JJ films, uh, to me were, well, at least I get to revisit these characters because there's, there's no other Star Trek anywhere else out there for me visually to see Star Trek. Where some of the later films and the next gen film, it, I, I could I could turn on the TV set and 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 be in, immersed in that universe. So those were special because they were on the big screen. But I always had if they weren't if they didn't live up to the hype, I always had the TV show to fall back on, in some incarnation. I know of another franchise of of another you know company that we all really enjoy that's supposed to have a movie coming out in 2017 <laughs> and there's nothing you don't hear anything about it are you talking first comics american flag is that what oh you're yes talking about? <laughs> are you talking about john sable what first <laughs> comics well, is back you know yeah they're doing the badger the badger is back yeah thank god <laughs> I, I want i want the entire line back <laughs> My, okay, my sorry, dad sorry, loved the Badger. I told point. my dad the Badger was coming back, and he goes, oh, I got to get those. 
I've <laughs> <laughs> never been in a comic book shop in years. Good man. Don't you wish that they still did uh, subscriptions? So you yeah. could just like sign your dad up for it, and then all of a sudden it's being in his mailbox every other month. Well, <laughs> like, talk about that. a present. Those Marvel Star Trek comics, the Starfleet Academy, the Deep Space Nine, those were the those were the only comics I ever had direct mail to me. Oh, my oh wow! God. I That's have, so good. and I still have. Because uh, the mail was so late with some of them, I actually went to the comic book store and bought them, and I still have a couple in the original mail. I never took them out of the plastic. <laughs> so oh, it's so still you had, you had the plastic, not the brown paper wrapper. Yeah, that time it was plastic. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> that is awesome. But come on, if you could mail that out to your dad, you just didn't even tell him about the badger, and then you just started to mail them to him. Yeah, it, it, it's Christmas every other month for him. Well, I'm gonna buy the trade for him. Ah, there you go. Nice, nice. But see, I'm that way with like Judge Dredd, because for so long there was no Judge Dredd anywhere. I mean, comic book wise, anything. So I was dying for Keith Urban to be in Judge Dredd. I even went to go see Sylvester Stallone in that horrible Rob Schneider piece of garbage. So I, I definitely I, I'm feeling every Star Trek fans like JJ has it, but he turned it sort of into Star Wars, and you just want you want the voices to come back. the the other The other issue is the last series and these two movies have been the last series was a prequel, you know. And these two movies are remakes of the original series. And to me, Star Trek is always about looking forward and not looking back. Mm -hmm. And so I really hope that whatever the new series is, that's what they're doing with it. Mm -hmm. You know, because the technologies that we have are starting to be parallel already. You know, today I bought a Surface. So I I have a Surface now. I'm really excited about it. That's better technology than what was in, in Next Generation. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so whatever series they make, I hope it's the next Next Generation. I, I, I mean, don't call it that because that would be that would be lame. Sure, but. sure. Yeah, and you know, Star Trek was such an inspiration for a lot of the crap that we play with today. So, I definitely see where you're coming from. So what's the one actor, if you could meet, out of all of the Star Trek universe, who would it be? Living, um, currently living. I'm not really that guy. You know, I have a lot of, you know, I, I just that's just not my style. Um, okay. And no, that's too prob- cool for school. No, that's not what it is. I just, <laughs> just playing, dude. I just don't want to bother people. Um, I remember when the first New York Comic Con I went to, uh, I saw Bruce Tim on the show floor, and that was like the first moment I had, like, oh man, that's a cool guy. <laughs> and Karen goes, go over to him, you know, ask for an autograph or something. I was like, I'm not ever gonna do that. No way. <laughs> I'm just happy that I saw him. <laughs> Uh, 
All right. These guys, I mean, they're all so busy, and people want their time, and and uh, I, I guess that, you know the the comic convention experience, the, the the Star Trek convention experience is not not the way that I would want to interact with any of them if I could. So, well, and I'm sure they have a million fanboys and fangirls. Yeah, trying to get their attention too, you know. Right. You know, and Shatner charges sixty dollars for an autograph, Holy and shit. you know, and they're all like that. I, you know, I went to a convention; Takai was at it, Takai was at it, and he was charging forty bucks for an autograph or something like that. So, oh yeah, I guess the best you could hope for would be to see a panel with like Lavar Burton talking about his life. So when we went to New York Comic Con last year, they did have a they. New York Comic Con has now become this thing where there's events that are happening not at the center as well. They're happening all over the place. Mm-hmm. And one of the theaters had, uh, with the exception of Riker, the entire Next Generation crew on a panel hosted by Shatner. And, you know, that was great to listen to them talk about the show with Shatner pretending he knew what they were talking about. <laughs> or, or caring. Yeah, yeah. It's like, are you talking about me? Oh, no? Okay, I'll just sit here. <laughs> oh, shit. So, yeah, that that is a great... I would be very interested in that, you know. It's kind of the opposite with Valiant, where you learn more by talking to them at the booth than you do going to their panel where they're just saying things that have already been announced. Right. Mm. Huh. But but the you know the the way that the if you go to each person's booth the the demands on their time are such that you you're just in and out. Yeah, we always get a few uh, Star Trek people through at C two E two, but everyone is charging a just a crazy amount. Right. I think I think Gates McFadden wanted fifty dollars for an autograph. It's how they make their money now, I guess. You know. Oh yeah, I can't blame them. There's a there's a comic book about that. Now I can't remember what it's called. Um, but it's like a show like Star Trek. Oh, you know what it is? Uh, no, it's not scam. Is it scam? No, it's not scam. Are you talking about the Nathan Fillion thing? Uh, is he involved? I don't know. But it's it's a group of like ex-sci-fi show actors that have been doing convention run for like, you know, 40 years and they're all like 60s and 70s um, <laughs> and they get scammed by this guy who says he's going to represent them um, and there's like this whole like conspiracy going on in the background. I can't remember. I gotta find it. If I find it, I'll, I'll send you a link. But I read the first issue. It was really good. This was sometimes last year, so it might not even be on anymore. But anyways, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. I'm heading out. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Appreciate all of the knowledge. Knowledge bombs. All right, yeah. gentlemen, let's wrap this episode up. Nick, do you want to wrap up or you want me to wrap up? You can wrap up. Oh, okay. You've been listening to the Nerd Legion podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Josh, it's been a pleasure. I know I talked to you... Uh, pretty often, but I'm glad you finally got the chance to share some of your Trekkie knowledge with us. 
It was fun. Uh, of course, Josh is on Twitter at I Want Valiant because uh, that's what he wants. Nick is at Wetmore or Nick Wetmore. Sorry, I'm at Geekvine, and uh, you can find the show at Nerd Legion. Until the next time, thanks for tuning in, friends. Thank <laughs> you.